0: the adam crowley show oh i like him
1: (laughs) he's a handsome
0: guy espn pittsburgh 970 a.m and 106.3 fm Yes, yes, yes. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Crowley Show where we've got another beautiful block party Friday planned for you. What's going on, everybody? I am Wesley Euler filling in for Adam just like I did last Thursday and Friday. Tom, kind enough to have me back here in the booth once again. I will be your director of fun and games here on this Friday afternoon. You've found the Crowley Show where your sister is a big fan. And you should be, too. If you want to get involved with the show, phone lines are open. You can also get at me on Twitter. The phone number to call, 412-922-2874. You can call that throughout the show, get involved on any of the topics we might be jumping into. You can also call my man Tom and tell him your favorite block party song. Coming back from the show, every break we'll play a different song that you would like to hear on a summer Friday when you're at a block party, when you're at the pool, maybe a cold one in your hand. The type of music that just, it doesn't matter if you're 15, 50, or 80 years old. Get your head bobbing. If you've got any requests, again, 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can tweet the show at Wesley Euler. A lot to talk about on the show today. It's, it's going to be a pretty open Friday. We're going to have some fun. It's, I'm going to say this wrong all show, Tom. It's furry week. I'm going to say fury a couple times. It's furry. Furry week in Pittsburgh, I'm sure, as you all know. The furry convention kicked off yesterday at the convention center. Anthrocon, as it is called. And Adam has the day off today. Anthracon kicked off yesterday. Adam has the day off today. Do with that information what you will, but it really makes you wonder. The NFL announced a new PED policy Offering a suspension reduction for players who snitch on other PED violators. Yes, I'm not making this up. A new provision in the NFL's PED policy allows for a punishment reduction of up to 50%. Games missed fines everything for convicted PED users who snitch on other dopers. This has sparked all kinds of debate, obviously, over whether or not players should tattle Lane Johnson, who's an Eagles offensive lineman and a a twice convicted PED user, tweeted out no snitching yesterday in in response to the news coming out last night to the new policy. But I found a loophole. Yes, I, Wesley Euler, have outsmarted the NFL. I found my opportunity. Yes, I am ready to make an NFL roster, baby. I'm ready for my time in the spotlight. Hear me out. I'll join any team in the NFL doesn't matter. Any team. Phone lines are open. I'll take the minimum salary, which we figured out is just a bit under half a million dollars a year, about $450,000 a year. And I will pump myself full of PEDs. I mean, old PEDs, new PEDs, ones that are on the market, ones that are on the black market, steroids, you name it. I will pump myself full of them for any NFL team out there. And then If anyone valuable on the roster actually gets caught cheating, they can just snitch on me, get their suspension cut in half, get their fines cut in half, no problem. The whole team can be doping. Yeah, four-game suspension turns into a two-game suspension. Yeah, okay, maybe you have to forfeit the first two weeks of the season. But then you've got the benefits of the doping and the whole rest of the season to go. NFL GMs, my DMs are open. Rooney family, listen, I'd love to... uh, to take this newfound world right here in Pittsburgh. I'd love to stay here, but I'm only as loyal as the amount of zeros in my bank account, so you'll need to get moving quickly. The Pirates open a three-game series with the Phillies tonight at 7 o'clock. The same Phillies that are the losingest franchise in American sports history. I repeat, the Philadelphia Phillies, America's all-time losingest sports franchise Later on in the show, I'll tell you why Pittsburgh is the infinitely better place to call home than Philadelphia. A topic I'm finally qualified to speak on as a guy who has lived in Philly over the past two years. We're also going to talk about it. It seems to me there's a little bit of a weird dynamic in baseball where it seems like real hardcore baseball fans always have two teams that they root for. And I've I've been discovering this the past couple days because I feel like there's a lot of crossover amongst Phillies and Pirates teams. Apparently 162 games a year isn't enough for hardcore baseball fans. They need more. So in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk a little baseball, and I'll tell you why Pittsburgh is this far superior city to Philadelphia. And Tom and I, I think, are even going to get in on this rooting for two teams thing since the Pirates are no fun to root for. Tom and I are going to pick a second team to root for. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. Reports today say Conor McGregor is negotiating his return to the UFC and the Octagon. I feel like McGregor has been uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically quiet ever since he had that incident a few months ago at the Barclays Center where he he showed up and was trying to attack that bus. He hasn't been seen strolling around Las Vegas with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. He hasn't tried to climb into the Octagon to fight any referees after they gave a decision against one of his one of his buddies. It feels like maybe this is... Okay, Connor. you got to keep quiet for a little bit before we we get you back in here. Listen, the UFC needs McGregor more than they need him, without a doubt. So if you're an MMA fan, I'd have to say this is exciting news. Love him or hate him, McGregor entertains like few others. I don't think you can deny that, and it would be great to see him back in the octagon, and and that would surely move the needle for the the fight game, if you will, once again. Speaking of moving the needle, moving the needle... One Eldrick Tiger Woods. It's being reported that Golf.com, by Golf.com, that Woods and Mickelson have a handshake agreement to do a head-to-head, almost pay-per-view style golf showdown. It would just be Woods versus Mickelson, not a full field like you see normally in golf. It's, It's been rumored that they've already agreed for this to take place at a golf course in Las Vegas. It's also been said they'll both wear microphones to kind of enhance the fan watchability. So it'll be like pay-per-view golf, which I think is an incredible idea. Woods and Mickelson, of course, were longtime rivals. I think they're kind of enemies turned friends in the past couple years now that they're both kind of older and they've been on Ryder Cup teams together. But I think this is an incredible idea. We'll talk about that a little bit more as well in the five o'clock hour. Last week, we did a whole hour of the show on Friday on basketball. I kind of laid it out there to Pittsburgh, why I think they should start to care about basketball more, why I think an NBA team in Pittsburgh would be amazing. And I tuned into the Crowley Show a couple times this week, two or three different times, and every single time I did, Crowley was talking about basketball. Every single time. I I don't know if I started a trend, or maybe if I'm not the only one who's feeling this way, but a lot of Warriors talk, obviously, with DeMarcus Cousins, and I'm wondering... All these things that have been thrown around about the Warriors—they're going to go eighty-two and zero. Will they win seventy-five games? Is this good for basketball? We'll get into that a little bit in the six o'clock hour. But what this really has me wondering is if shirtless Tom were coaching the Warriors—not just Tom, not um, what's your Woken Thomas? Isn't that your other nickname? With Tim in, yeah. You got to give me your not, own not Woken Thomas, not Tom O. shirtless Tom, shirtless Tom. How many games would the Warriors win if shirtless Tom was their head coach? I can tell you a lot more than Steve Kerr. I can tell you that much. I'm saying saying more than 55, like without a doubt. I think they won low 60s last year. I'm saying more than 55 without a doubt. It's just like having a courtside seat to the game, right? Because it's just on autopilot. You would be like Jack Nicholson, but without the shirt. Even better. The next Quentin Quentin Tarantino movie has become filming. It's titled Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Stars Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Name a more handsome duo than that. I'll wait. Whew. That one's going to be fun. Teaser is out there now for those of you that are into the pop culture and the movies. Leo and Brad in the same Tarantino movie. That's like uh, that's like the Holy Trinity right there. And, of course, you know we're going to talk some penguins this hour. We'll have Matt Geica on with us next to talk a little penguins. We might get into some Pirates and some World Cup stuff with him as well. The Columbus Blue Jackets and public enemy number one, John Tortorella. Is, that fa- is he public enemy number one? He might be public enemy number one. At least this week. This week's public enemy number one, John Tortorella. He's got a new winger, Anthony Dunclair, a name that had been kicked around here in Pittsburgh a lot as a potential landing spot. Instead, now he's in the division with Columbus. Duclair signed an almost identical deal to the one that Matt Cullen signed earlier in the week with the Penguins. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It got me thinking... Who would you rather have, the, the 41-year-old veteran coming off of a largely underwhelming season who's on the last act of his career, or the 22-year-old who at one point was highly regarded as having some pedigree who's now fighting for his next big contract and has everything to prove? We'll talk about that a little bit with Geica coming up as well. And, hey, I can feel people getting angry already. I love Matt Cullen. I think it's great that he's back. I just... Uh, I think that maybe the Penguins were in on Duclair, and, and once they realized they could get Cullen back, that kind of waned their interest. So we'll talk about that with Matt as well. World Cup ongoing. All the heavy hitters are out. Germany, gone. Spain, gone. Brazil and Neymar. See you later. France, Belgium, England, Sweden, Croatia, and Russia left standing. Of those teams, France has won the World Cup once. England has won the World Cup once. That's it. So you're either going to have somebody win the World Cup for only the second time, or you're going to have a country win the World Cup for the very first time, which I think is going to be cool. Belgium-France next week is uh, going to be a lot of fun. All the heavy hitters gone, Belgium and France would be the two favorites left, but as I mentioned, Germany was the number one, had the best odds out in the group stage. Brazil or Spain, I forget which one, had the second and third best odds. Brazil just lost, Spain lost in the round of 16. It's like the years in March madness where you have like this past year. You have the Loyolas that go to the Final Four. That's almost what we're seeing in the World Cup this year. It's been a lot of fun. We'll touch on a little soccer stuff in the 440 hour. For those of you who recall, last week when I was here, we made a bet centered around the World Cup, and it just had to come down this way, right? That Tom was safe, Brian was safe, but of course the guest guy lost his bet and therefore has to do something a little embarrassing on the show. We will get to that in the 440 hour. A whole bunch of fun planned for you guys today. Again, it is a block party Friday. If you want to get your requests in, you can tweet me at Wesley Euler. That's on the Twitter machine at W-E-S-L-E-Y-U-H-L-E-R is how you spell my last name. It's kind of just like Ferris Bueller, but without the B. Bueller. Anyone? Anyone? 412-922-2874. Also the number to get... Involved. Matt Geica joining us on the other side to discuss all things Penguins. We might touch on a little Pirates in World Cup with him as well. We'll ask him, would you rather have spent the money and the roster spot on, on Dad Cullen, or would you rather take a chance on young Anthony? All that and more coming up right here. I am Wesley Euler filling in for Adam. This is The Crowley Show. It's The Adam Crowley
0: Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Teen drinking is very bad. Yo, I got a fake ID though. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely one of the songs that all you need to do is hear the first two seconds and you know it's coming. Yo, teen drink and you and you're there. Great pick here, Tom. Great pick here, Tom. It's a block party Friday on the Crowley show. I am Wesley Euler filling in for Adam Crowley. If you want to get involved with the show, you can tweet me at Wesley Uller. That's U-H-L-E-R. You can call 412-922-2874. When you do, tell my friend Tom your favorite block party song, and we'll get that spinning for you later in the show. Just like last week, we had a Penguins-heavy show. We're going to do some of that similar here today. Joining me now to talk about the Penguins and a lot of the moving and shaking that they've had going on this offseason. From Pittsburgh Hockey Now, it's the man with the beautiful lettuce, Matt Geica. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Mr. Euler. Good to speak with you.
2: Yeah, you you as well. It's it's funny here. Matt and I have only ever met briefly in person, but we've had kind of a, a I guess you could say, a few years of a internet relationship, if you will. We both <laughs> once held the same job. Uh, that was in the USHL with the Youngstown Phantoms. There were, I think, maybe two, maybe three people in between Matt and I, between when I had the job and when he had the job, but we were both the broadcaster and the director of media relations for the, the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL. And, uh, and, hey, now we're here talking on the ESPN Pittsburgh Airwaves, so I guess we're doing something right, Matt.
1: It's amazing how that works. You could say I had it first. I was the first broadcaster in Phantom's history in the USHL, at least, in 09-10. What were you, 14-15, somewhere around there? 15-16, yep. 15-16, okay. Yeah, so I got so. the
2: I got the tail end of the Kyle Connor glory rolling into the, the Cam Morrison potential.
1: Well, there you have it. And then they just made the Clark Cup final this year, so things are going pretty well up there That's after right. nine years.
2: That's right, and the Cavelli Center for all the hockey fans in the area, a great place to take your family and go watch a hockey game and see yeah. some of the best junior hockey in this country. Matt, I want to start with you with what's kind of been the hot-button issue now, I would say, for over a week that's the, been debated both sides for and against the signing of Jack Johnson. Your thoughts on what he brings to the team and then kind of the, the, the length and the term of the contract as well.
1: well. What he brings to the team is a contract that's way too big, in my opinion, but... He can at least make a breakout pass, and that's the one thing that Jim Rutherford seems to be hanging his hat on. And the data backs it up. There's some really good information out there that is in some ways subjective, but uh, plenty of folks in the the hockey analytics spheres are, are tracking passes now and, and transition. And I even did it for a full season with the Penguins in 16-17, seeing who helps you get out of your zone and who helps you get into your zone. And, and Jack Johnson – was better than all but Chris Latang last year at, uh, at making a successful breakout pass. So there you have it. If that's the one thing that he does well, uh, that's okay. But to, to pay him for five years, to pay him more than $3 million a year, um, I just wonder what exactly the competition was for Jack Johnson and um, whether the Penguins felt like they had to go four or five to, to retain him, to get his services I was thinking maybe you could say he's a project and you give him one, two years tops at a couple of million dollars. So the disconnect for me is there. Not necessarily taking a chance on a guy, but taking a chance on a guy for that much and for that long.
2: Yeah, that's the same way I felt, Matt. If it was more of a, a show-and-prove contract, I, I would be all for it because, again, it's Jack Johnson absolutely has the, the pedigree of a successful National Hockey League defenseman. One thing that also worries me, me with this, Matt, is... I worry that Jack is going to get into Mike Sullivan's good graces and end up chipping away at maybe Olimata's role, Olimata's mm-hmm. minutes. And and for a guy that we just saw play his first healthy season, hitting that age where you really see defensemen starting to find their identity, are you worried at all too that Jack Johnson's addition could end up playing more minutes, could push Olimata down the lineup and reduce his role?
1: Yeah, I do, because I love what I saw from Ole Mata this year. It wasn't just the health. It was also, it appeared more confidence in the offensive zone. He had more shots and shot attempts per game than he's ever had in his career, and that even counts the rookie season when he put up, I think it was, eight goals. So Ole Mata, mid-20s and Jack Johnson 31, yeah, I feel like it's pretty obvious that Mata should be second pairing and Jack Johnson should be third pairing. But then again, maybe you're right. Maybe there is something to the fact that that Mike Sullivan looked at the tape and Jim Rutherford looked at the tape, and they see someone who can be a top-four D-man for them. And I'm not sure I see that, and I don't know if if that's a a position I would take unless Mata really struggles at the start of the year. So there's always that contingency. But as of right now, Jack Johnson's your third-pairing left-side D-man, and um, I would just say that whoever's with him is going to bear a lot of the burden in in driving offense, because Johnson has has been stuck in his own zone for much of his career, really, if you look at the the puck possession, the the shot share numbers.
2: Matt, you wrote an article yesterday for Pittsburgh Hockey Now talking about some free agents out there the Penguins might still be interested in. One of those was Anthony Duclair, a name that had been kicked around, uh, not just by you, by others as well. And, of course, your ears must have been burning because he ends up (laughs) signing a contract with Columbus later in the day. We'll start here. Do you think that the Penguins were in on Duclair and possibly Matt Cullen wanting to come back ixnade that interest? And would you rather have Matt Cullen over Anthony Duclair?
1: Uh, no, I would not have Matt Cullen over Anthony Duclair. I think Anthony Duclair has top six upside in this league. And for him to just sign for 650000 the minimum, with Columbus, I think that's a really good signing for them. I know they're they're pretty crowded up top. I was looking at their... Um, at their contracts today on Cap Friendly. And, well, there are plenty of guys signed for multiple years. So is going to have to do some, um, some proving, but maybe he got assurances from the Blue Jackets that he would get more of an opportunity than what he might have gotten here in Pittsburgh. And that's the one thing, because I was able to confirm through a, a source that I trust that there was interest in Anthony Duclair and that if they could sign him for around a million or less, then they would jump at that. So I almost think that um, it came down to something beyond numbers, obviously, because uh, the Penguins could have given him the minimum, obviously. They, they just did the Matt Cullen, and they have enough under the cap, even with Alexiak yet to be signed, to do it. Um, so that one seems like a missed opportunity for a lot of teams, not just the Penguins. And it was just a chance to, to get a guy with young legs, uh, a lot of potential, speed and skill. No, he hasn't uh, translated that to um, great production at the NHL level, but there's been enough there and he succeeded on some pretty poor Coyotes teams in, in creating something. So um, that felt like a mischance for me, and I wrote about it yesterday, and it was just a couple of hours after that that the signing was confirmed to the Jackets. So, um, you know, I wasn't the only one who was looking at him. I know there were plenty around the league. Word is that Montreal was also offering a, a contract to him, but he chooses the Blue Jackets. Maybe that tells you where Columbus is in terms of people's eyes in the league.
2: Yeah, and I'm with you there, Matt. I, I always, especially a young guy like that, only 22 years old, if you can get him on a, a show improved contract where he's fighting for his future, I, I agree that there would have been a ton of upside to that. You just talked about how Columbus kind of has a crowded situation in, in their top six when it comes to wingers. I think the Penguins have a little bit of a logjam themselves at center now with, of course, Crosby and Malkin. You've got Shehan, You've got Broussard. You've got Cullen. I think Teddy Bluger is a name that a lot of people would like to see get some spin at the NHL level this year. What's going, What's the Penguins' playing there? Obviously going to try and play somebody at wing, or could someone still get moved in a trade?
1: Well, there's still a possibility that a player gets moved. And if the Penguins are going after Max Fatsreddy or Jeff Skinner, and it's been reported that they have at least inquired about both of them, then they'll have to move a veteran contract. And whether that be Derek Broussard down the middle or Carl Hagelin seems like the most logical guy to move in, in just more of a salary dump measure. Not that Hagelin doesn't have value defensively, penalty killing, chips in the occasional goal, and really adds to the forecheck. check. But if you want to get, you have to give. And uh, Hagelin's owed $4 million in the final year of his contract coming up. So he adds up. Derek Broussard is making three next year. That's another player that you would uh, – you could see going, say, to Montreal, they need a center, right? That makes a lot of sense. Or down to Carolina, too, they seem pretty determined to move Jeff Skinner this off-season under new management. Um, as far as Cullen, you brought him up, part of that log jam down the middle. Yeah, he can play wing. He can play left wing for you. And to be clear, I like him better than Tom Kunhakle or Carter Rowney as fourth-line contributors, even though uh, the two guys I just mentioned are, what, 10-plus years younger than Matt Cullen. I still think Cullen could do a little bit better than them just because of his of his background and his pedigree. So um, it's not all bad for the Penguins this offseason, and I think they still have pretty impressive depth up front. It's just uh, there are a couple of areas you could nitpick. One is perhaps one more scoring line winger, and another is, well, like I was saying, a guy like Duclair, someone who could prove to you that he could stick with a big club if you give him a, a minimal role to start.
2: You mentioned Broussard's name there early. All things considered, because it kind of is equal, they're both about the same age, they're both on expiring, they have one more year left on their deals, they'll be free agents next summer. Do you think Broussard or Max, like, from the Penguins' standpoint, who would you rather have on the team if you're only going to have them for one year, Broussard or Patches?
1: Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, Because Reddy is one of the top goal scorers in the league, and he has been since the start of the decade. But then again, Broussard, if we buy into the fact that he was pretty drastically compromised by an injury during the playoffs last year, then, okay, uh, maybe i like him to come back. I still love his track record, and he's still young enough where I think he could stick feasibly as a third-line center and give the Penguins those big three lines, those big three down the middle that they had um, with Crosby, Malkin, and Saul, Crosby, Malkin, and Benino when he was playing really well in the 16 Cup. And since you have a player like Phil Kessel, and I don't think they're going to trade him at this point of the, of the offseason, I could be wrong. But if you have someone like Kessel, then I think it behooves you to, to try to stretch out that lineup as much as possible. So Broussard is still really tempting to me to hang on to. So um, I don't think it's necessary they go and get uh, uh, Max Pacioretty, if, if that is the, the compromise here that you have to give Broussard. I'm not sure I would do it, actually. And um, all things being equal, I'll take the better center over the better winger.
2: It seems like there's been maybe a little bit of a waiting game around Pacioretty. Do you think that's maybe the asking price? Like, What would it take for the Penguins to acquire a Pacioretty? Would they have to include an Oli Mata or someone that, that's young with that type of pedigree?
1: Could be uh, maybe Tristan Jari is also a well-regarded prospect in the Penguins system. And with Casey DeSmith coming on last year and showing that he could at least be a backup, maybe the Penguins feel emboldened to Give Jari up. Now, I'm not sure that I would because I think I still like his upside a lot. And uh, to be honest, Matt Murray still has a lot to prove at the NHL level um, as far as durability and putting together a full season. So um, it's not like that's uh, a huge position of strength for them, for the Penguins in goal. But I also don't think that it's just going to be Broussard. It'll probably be Broussard and a pick.
2: And we lost Mr. Geica. <laughs> we'll do our best to get him back on the line there. That's the interesting part of all this to me is Broussard or Pacioretty. Who would you rather have? They're both on expiring contracts. They're both about the same age. I agree with Matt that I think, all things considered, I would always rather have a strong center over a strong winger. But with this team, with their log jam at center, I'm not sure. And Pacioretty just seems like a guy who has been waiting to play for a, a good team his whole career. I think we have Matt back on the line. Matt, can you hear me all right?
1: Yeah, sorry about that. No worries, no worries. Communication, misconnection, yeah.
2: Hey, it happens, it, it happens. Um, To transition here a little bit, one, two names that I'm really interested, maybe the most intriguing for me on the Penguins roster going into next season, are Derek Simone and Zach Aston Reese. What should we expect from those guys? Simone, he's had some NHL time now, but it looks like he could maybe finally have found his role. Do you expect both of those guys to be key contributors or more so depth players who, who are going to get scratched a handful of times?
1: I think Well, both guys are probably going to sit out a few times coming up next year. But if I had to pick one guy to succeed, it's probably Dominic Simone, considering the way the Penguins play. It's such an up-tempo system. Simone can move all right. He, he reads the game really well. And I, I loved some moments that he had with Crosby in the middle of the season where the give-and-go game was back in Sid's game, and that was missing with Chris Kunitz moving on. That was the one thing that Chris could do really well, too, was read off Crosby. And Simone, this is no small thing. He seems to have shown an ability to do that, too. So not that he has to be a top-line winger, but I think he's a smart player. I think he has a good shot if he would use it a little bit more. He buried a few pucks in his first stint with the Penguins, maybe not so much um, late in the season. And he had a broken thumb, too, so let's keep that in mind Another. other um, injury-affected guy in the postseason, too. Um, And Zach Aston-Reese, I feel like 10 years ago, I would have given him a better shot, or 15 years ago. But the game has picked up in terms of pace so much, uh, at the top level especially. That's the one weakness for Aston-Reese is the first step quickness and and, um, getting from A to B. So he's savvy. He's also a smart player, too. But you don't have the wheels uh, in this game. You have to be almost perfect. And it's not impossible to succeed, but I would take at this moment Simone over Aston Reese.
2: The balance of the Eastern Conference has really changed here in the past couple weeks. You've, of course, had John Tavares signing with the Maple Leafs, and it's rumored that Carlson is on his way to Tampa Bay. If that does happen, where do you kind of put the Penguins in the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference now? Now, thankfully, both of those are Atlantic teams, but where would you put the Penguins along with those teams in the Capitals? Where should maybe their expectations be next year in kind of this reloaded Eastern Conference?
1: Yeah, I was just talking about this this morning um, on my own show, and I think that the Penguins are probably the third-best team if Carlson goes to Tampa. Even if he doesn't, that's still uh, pretty close to an all-star caliber unit down there with the Lightning. And they'll have one more shot before they have to try to re-sign Kucherov and, and bring a couple other guys back who are key to their success. So 1819 looks like the Lightning's perhaps best shot, as long as Steven Stamkos is still in his prime too, and, and you know guys like Alex, or pardon me, uh, yeah Alex Polon and Tyler Johnson and some of those depth guys are still in their uh, late 20s, early 30s. And Toronto has put itself right up there for me. They might be the best team in the East now. And we're, we're also leaving out the Washington Capitals. I still like the Penguins by a bit over them going into next year, just because they have a little bit more punch down the middle. Uh, but at the same time, the the Penguins' stars are getting into their early 30s now. So uh, it's it's not necessarily the case that the aging curve goes down gradually. Sometimes you might have a a, a steep fall-off, or there could be a season that's an off-season for Sid or Geno or, or Phil Kessel or, well, Crystal Tang. maybe he doesn't get it back. Maybe Matt Murray doesn't find it. So uh, the Penguins are not the favorite in the East right now. And if Carlson goes to the Lightning, I would put the Penguins in, in a comfortable third place, but possibly still first in the Metro.
2: Matt Geico from Pittsburgh Hockey now joining me. Last thing or two for you here, Matt. You wrote about a former Youngstown fan of Andre Schuster yesterday as well. Any interest the Penguins have in him? I would really like him as a depth guy. But could that also possibly be tied to what happens with Alexiak and, and maybe some of these other things we've been talking about?
1: Well, same case as Anthony Duclair yesterday. Just a few hours after that was posted, Andre Schuster signed for one year and 1.2 in Anaheim, so no, he's what? off the market as Shame well. on me. Yeah. I missed that last night. Yeah, I, I think uh, I almost did, too, because I was so focused on Duclair and I'd heard the Penguins had interest. But Andre Schuster, who went to a Penguins development camp, in addition to playing for the Phantoms and being um, a good college hockey player at Nebraska-Omaha, he found himself on the outs in Tampa last year, and i like him to have a bounce-back season. Not that I feel like the Penguins need more size necessarily on the blue line, but you have a player like Schuster, 6'7", 6'8", who can play a little bit, Um, You don't have to play him 20 minutes a night, but uh, I felt like he was probably a better bet to be uh, an all-around guy than, say, a Chad Weedle. So, unfortunately, he is off the market, though, and so um, not really much left besides the the pending signing of Alexiak, assuming he doesn't go to arbitration.
2: Last thing for you here, Matt, quickly. I know you're pulling for Poland. They have obviously been eliminated. (laughs) Who you got the rest of the way? Are you riding with anybody the rest of the way here in the World Cup?
1: Well, Belgium just beat Brazil, and Belgium is so much fun to watch. It's their golden generation, they call it, in their country. All these talented guys. If you watch English Premier League, you probably know half the Belgium roster. But you know what, France, they're coming together. Some young players, and they're they are figuring things out, how to play it, how to be strategic and tactical in these big matches. I was really impressed by their win this morning against an Uruguay team who was tough to score against, and they got two, so... Uh, France might be my favorite if I had to put a, the odds down, but I think the semifinal between France and Belgium might be the de facto final. That's coming up on Tuesday. And, of course, England, hey, they invented the game, or they'll tell you they invented the game. <laughs> so uh, they've been waiting a long time, too. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them raise the trophy at the end. And They're fully capable as well.
2: Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Seeing England win it again would kind of be like if the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup again, the, just the, the scenes and the celebrations. Yeah would be out of control. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You can get all of Matt's work at Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Great catching up with you, Mr. Geica. Hopefully we'll do this again soon.
1: Yeah, good to hear your voice on uh, Pittsburgh radio. And, yeah, once again, I'll talk to you later. Have a good weekend.
2: Thanks, Matt. That was Matt Geica of Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Yeah, funny, I've only ever met him once briefly at the Lemieux Complex in the middle of a hockey tournament. But we... At one, We had our first, if you'll call it, breakthrough in the industry. We both had had the same job a couple years apart, so funny how that stuff works sometimes. On the other side, when we come back, I talked a little World Cup there with Mr. Geica at the end. If you recall last week, we made some bets here around the World Cup. We'll have the payoff for those next. I'm the only one who lost, so I'll be the only one doing something embarrassing. Keep it right here. I'm Wesley Euler filling in for Adam. This is The Crowley Show.
0: He's Pittsburgh born and we like him that way.
1: What an incredible Cinderella story.
0: This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Cinderella boy on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Eh? Don't you know I'm loco?
2: This time yesterday. There were scenes on the television with the World Cup. Colombia and England going to penalty kicks. We were hoping for more of that today, but unfortunately Brazil dropped the ball. Belgium moving on. The first half of the World Cup quarterfinals took place this morning. France eliminated Uruguay 2-0. Belgium 2-1 over Brazil. That sets up those two teams in the semifinals. The other semifinal will be decided tomorrow. Sweden and England play in the morning. The winner of that will get the winner of Russia and Croatia, which kicks off tomorrow afternoon if you listened to the show last friday we we wanted to have a, a fun wager we like to do goofy things here on the crowley show and i'm wesley Euler filling in for adam crowley i'm cut from that same radio cloth as adam and brian and tom i, I want to have fun i want to do goofy stuff so one of the things that we came up with last week was let's come up with some type of draw of shame we titled it where all of us will pick names out of a hat you can keep that team, or you can exchange them for one more team. If your team wins, you're safe. If your team loses, you have to do something embarrassing on the show. Well, Tom, he drew Croatia. He stuck with Croatia. They had to go to penalties. It was close. But Croatia pulled out a victory. Tom we prevailed. Safe. Yes, I was. The The Croates beat the Danes, I believe, if we're going to go with slang there. that was a That was a heck of a game. That was very exciting. Penalty shootouts are always great. Brian, who is not with us today, unfortunately, good for him. He's safe as well. He had England over Colombia, which also prevailed in penalties. Myself, I drew Japan first, and they were going up against Belgium, the official team of the Crowley show, and a, a team that's just been on fire. So I didn't think that that was too advisable to stay with Japan, even though we all know they have a great history of attack. Vicious attack. They've, they've always been exposed against the counterattack, though, Tom. That's always been. They get hit back by the counterattack that is their hard. That's weakness. Hard. Huh? Right. I think they, you're, they, you're went, up, they went up 2 nothing on Belgium. Then the counterattack. Came back came. and lost came. at the very end. The counterattack got him. Reminds me of maybe another historical Japanese event. So I put Japan back in the hat. I, the temptation was there to, oh, I'd have the banter with the official team of the Crowley show. What if Japan took down the official team of the Crowley show? But I put it back and I drew Argentina. Great team, Lionel Messi, one of the best players in the world. They were going up against France, also a great team. They lost 4-3. to three. So, I'm going to have to, here in a moment for you, sing the French national anthem since they beat the team that I had, Argentina. But before I do, i got to say, and I know this might offend Tom because I know he's a big Messi fan and he's got a Messi kit here he's somewhere, a Messi fan. somewhere in the studio. I was excited about having Argentina because of Lionel Messi. Best soccer player in the world, him or Cristiano Ronaldo. You're kind of splitting hairs at that point. But I got to say, I think Messi's a fraud, Tom. I think he's a fraud. If we're going to split hairs when we're talking the greatness of... Like when we talk Ronaldo versus Messi or we talk MJ versus LeBron. If we're going to split hairs, let's split hairs, right? Lionel Messi has never lifted a trophy in his life away from Barcelona. Not once. Cristiano Ronaldo's won trophies with Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo won trophies with Manchester United before he moved to Spain. Messi's lifted trophies in Spain domestically. That's it. Before the World Cup started, Messi did a photo shoot, an Adidas photo shoot, I don't know if you guys saw this, with goats. Messi holding goats. If you're going to do an ad campaign, calling yourself the goat, where you're holding real live goats, you better score a goal in a freaking knockout game in your World Cup career. Four World Cups for Messi. He's never once scored a goal in a knockout game. He's He's got six goals in four different World Cups. Ronaldo had four or five goals in this one tournament alone. Fraud. Fraud. Just once. Score a goal in a, in a knockout game. Hey, maybe against France last weekend. Would have been nice. Messi won, and I know there's people out there thinking, four years ago at the World Cup, he quote-unquote put Argentina on his back and won the golden ball, which is like the MVP of the World Cup, if you will. But that only that award only started in 2010, and it's, it's a popularity contest joke anyways. Thomas Müller should have won the golden ball for Germany. And again, Messi, if he really put Argentina on his back four years ago, he had no goals in the knockout stage. Their last four games of the tournament, he had no goals. Fraud. Now, when he's playing with Xavi and Iniesta and David Villa, the best players in the world at Barcelona, yeah, he's unbeatable. But, I mean, come on. Should he be elevating the players around him, or should they be elevating him? Sidney Crosby had a freaking 100-point season with Brian Gibbons on his wing. And in all of this, too, the biggest way that Messi is a fraud, before we hit the French National Anthem here, is he took HGH as a kid when he was at Barcelona. When he was like 13, 14, he had growth problems, and like, took HGH. He's a fraud. How do we know he's not a doper? How do we know he's still not an HGH? Fraud. You can't take HGH as a kid and be the goat. You can't pose with goats in pictures when you're taking HGH. Fraud. I'm clearly not upset about losing the bet. So I'm about to sing the French national anthem, but before I do, it's before we pay off our bet, we got to talk about Free Movie Friday. Free Movie Friday program with Adam Tickets is back. The Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all right from your phone. And you can skip the lines... Today, Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. Text them now. Text. If I can find the code here. Tom, where's the code? The code is The code is burger. Burger to ATOM1. That's burger as in the food burger to ATOM1 for your chance to win. All right, Tom, hit me with the French national anthem. Are you ready? Wait, wait. I I have a question before you start. Okay, are, are you singing this in French or are you going to sing this in American? I'm going to start in American because I kind of want to get into the you know the feel of it. But then uh, okay. I will try at times to 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 kick. Here's what we'll do. I'll do the first verse in English, and then when we go to the like the chorus, the refrain, I'll I'll try and sing it in French. You'll go French, Deal? If you're feeling it, go French though. At any point. Oh, fair. Like if you if you really just want to want to switch to French, just. I've got the words in front of me and I can read like half of them in French and the other half are jibber-jabber. All right, Tom, hit the music. Let's go to... Wait, too early. It's right here after this. Are you kidding me? Here we go.
0: Let's... Too early again. Let's go, children of the fatherland. The day of glory has arrived. Against us, tyranny, bloody frag is raised. In this vous danceless les compagnies. They come right to our arms To slit the throats of our sons and friends Damn, that's intense! Whoa, is that really the lyrics? That's really the lyrics! Grab your weapons, citizens Formez vos battalions marchassons May impure blood Water our fields. Wow, this is this is the best national anthem ever. Quevon says, Hos de claves des tres des pros conjos. Porque ses ignobles for this long temp spres. France! France! Ponas a quer ques chempos irdo! Si es, nos, que os me I apologize. If there's people out there listening to French, I'm sorry. I might have gotten one of those words
2: right. Bring this it is, home. This bring is it intense. Home. What? These foreign troops who would make laws in our home. What? These mercenaries who would bring down our proud warriors. This national anthem is intense. Tom, this national anthem slaps, dude. This might be my new favorite national anthem. They're talking about Grab your weapons, bloody flag is raised. Water our fields with their impure blood. This national anthem slaps. Tom, do you think the Star Spangled Banner slaps? Slaps. Slaps. Like, is it a block party song? Like, do you hear it in your head? Start because I will tell you what, anytime O Canada comes on, I'm I'm having a dance party in my living room. Oh, you like that song? You you party to O Canada? I love O Canada. So. I, the uh, Uruguay has an incredible national anthem too, as does Colombia. But I don't know. France might be my favorite, but I think the Star Spangled Banner is a little underwhelming. And don't get me wrong. When See, I'm at sporting events and things like that and it gets played, I get chills. I sing along. That's not what I'm saying. But compared to some of these other ones. You just need to jazz it up a little bit in your mind. We're just a little underwhelming. I mean, France I is talking that. about littering the fields with the bloods of the traitors. Canada's talking about we stand on guard for thee. And, and I don't know. We, we say a bunch of words from the 1600s that, no, that I can't even pronounce in ours. Does, does the Star-Spangled Banner slap? I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. On the other side, we're going to get into uh, Pirates Hour, we'll call it. Maybe not the whole hour, but we'll talk a little Pirates next. And then at 5.20, I'm going to tell you why Pittsburgh is a much better city than Philadelphia. It's hand firsthand experience. Someone who's been living in Philadelphia for two years. I've been waiting for this, finally, a topic I am qualified to speak on. We'll have all that and more next. I'm Wesley Euler filling in for Adam. This is The Crowley Show.